This is Ivarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. Thanks for everyone who's recently visited the website and are liking the new content we're providing there. It's an exciting part of our long-term plans for the show, and I hope that it becomes a valuable resource to you and your photography. I've begun posting videos on the YouTube channel, and I'll provide a link on the post and also on the website, so check it out and let me know what you think. If you want to make a living as a photographer today, whether it's as a full-time or a part-time professional, marketing becomes as important as the camera you own and the quality of the images you produce with it. Today's guest, Jasmine Defour, knows a lot about that with her experience both as an editor and a consultant to photographers who are trying to redefine themselves and their business. From the design of the website to the business card to the portfolio, Jasmine provides invaluable insight into what it takes to stand out from the crowd in this very competitive field. Well, Jasmine, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have a chance to sit down and talk with you. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners what it is that you do? I know that you serve as a consultant to photographers, but some of our listeners may not completely understand what that involves. If you could explain that to us, I think that would be a really good place to start. Sure. Um, it, it means different things for, for different people, but mainly what I do is that I help photographers improve their businesses through marketing and editing of their photos. So I'm a photo editor, but I also have a strong marketing background. And so I do do a lot of marketing strategy. I also do photo editing for corporate clients. You know, people use me to source photography for books and magazines and things like that. And I do a lot of portfolio editing for photographers, helping them revamp their websites, kind of redefine who they are creatively. And then help them figure out, you know, how to, how to just, how to improve their business, you know, how to, how to reach new people, how to get the kind of work that they want to be getting. From my experience and from my end of things, it seems like regardless of how experienced or, or skillful a photographer is, their editing skills are often left wanting. So do you find that that's the case from your perspective? And, and why do you think that is? Yeah, I do for sure. I, I was a rep for a long time before I went freelance as a consultant. And a big part of being a rep is also editing people's work and packaging it in a way that the clients are going to get it, you know, and understand what that photographer can do for them. Yeah. And it's always been my experience that the portfolios and galleries that photographers put together themselves, for whatever reason, they just don't they just miss the mark a lot of times when it comes to putting together a package that is going to show potential clients the right vision or version of what they do. I think people are just attached to the pictures that they've made for different reasons. You know, they have emotional attachments to them. They were there when they made them. So they have that memory of the place and the time. And sometimes people just get hung up on pictures that, you know, that, that the clients, you know, are just not really going to react to in the same way. I, I sometimes think that what photographers are trying to do is that they're trying to demonstrate an ability the, rather than just sharing stuff that they're really passionate about. Do you think that's the case or do you think a photographer needs to sort of strike a balance between the two? I definitely think that that's one of the problems uh, that photographers have when they're putting together portfolios is yes, people definitely feel like they need to show 
that they can do X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe it depends, of course, on the photographer and the kinds of clients they want to go after, but they might think that they need to show that they can cover an event, but that they can also do a nice portrait and they can also do a decent still life and they can also do, you know, action photos or whatever it may be. The truth is, you know, the when you do a little bit of everything, you tend to not do any of those things really well. I mean, I think that holds true in, in anything, not just in photography. And so the people who think more about putting out an image of what they do to the world that really speaks to what they are passionate about, what makes them click, you know, what makes them get up in the morning, get excited about being a photographer. When you put together a gallery of images with that requirement in mind, you tend to have a very different collection. It seems like some photographers are kind of reluctant to share that kind of work, that passionate work, because some of it may be that they're not seeing that work out there in the marketplace. And so they're worried about, yeah, I love doing this kind of photography. It's what gets me excited about going out and shooting that particular morning, but I'm not seeing, being seeing that work out there. So aren't I sort of reducing the chances of actually getting hired by putting this work out there? Aren't I more likely to get work if I play it a little safer? Yes. And I think that, you know, I think this is sort of the age old, you know, art versus commerce conundrum. There's always what you're passionate about. And then there's what you do to pay the bills. And it is very tricky when building a portfolio to put together a collection of images that speaks to who you are as an artist, but also is going to resonate with potential clients. And that's a big part of what I help people figure out. You know, we, we go through their archives. I mean, people send me thousands of pictures sometimes and we literally just go through, you know, pictures that maybe they haven't even thought of in, in years or don't see any value in showing them, but we'll go through them and we'll start to pull out the ones that kind of straddle those two worlds. You know, that's my goal as an editor to help photographers kind of find the pictures that are going to speak to the commercial needs you know, of the art buyers and photo editors, but also say something unique and true about who the photographer is as a, as an artist and as a person. When looking at your blog, it seems like you've been working with photographers who are not new to the game, but who have been around for a while and have had website and already had branding material. Why are they coming to you at this particular point in their careers? What are they finding themselves wanting for to make them consider bringing you on board and helping them with the redesign of their website, their collateral material and all that? Well, it depends. I, I found that there are a lot of photographers who have been professional photographers for years. You know, they're kind of like mid career and their business used to be booming. They were very, very busy. And then because of the economy and because of the changes in publishing and magazines shutting down and all those things, they all of a sudden find themselves in a place that they've never been in before, which is, I'm not that busy. You know, I, I'm kind of freaking out here. I can't really pay my bills like I used to be able to. Something has to change. I need to shake things up. I get a lot of people who are in that situation. I also get people who are just kind of bored with where they're at. You know, they're getting jobs, but they're not the jobs they really want to be getting. They're not shooting things that they really care about. And they realize that it's because they're not putting out there into the world what they really want to be doing. So we have to kind of start from scratch, you know, and, and rethink it and hone in on, well, what is it that you really want to do? You know, and then we need to figure out how to package that up so that people see it and think, okay, you're the person that I should hire for this job. 
Why should the branding be so important? A lot of people would think, well, the images should just speak for themselves. Why is it important that I change my logo, my letterhead, my, my, my packaging? Um, yeah. Some people might think, well, you know, I only have so much money. My business is down. I really want to stay in this business, but I'm struggling. Why should I go through the expense of changing all of that when the pictures themselves should be the selling point? Yes, the pictures are always the most important thing. I mean, the, without the imagery there, you know, you're not going to get far. But we live in such a graphic time. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're so impacted with visuals all the time. And the bar has been raised. Like, your online presence now, like, you've got to step up your game because everyone has beautiful looking websites. It's so easy now to have a slick looking website. You don't need to have like a crappy old looking website anymore. And your competitors do, you know, I mean, that's, you kind of have to play the game, you know, other people have stepped it up. They've got really professional looking branding. They've got a beautiful website that navigates very easily. The pictures are big and beautiful. And if you're going to be on a level playing field, you know, not only does the imagery have to be strong, but the package has to support that too. Because, you know, editors and art buyers, there's no limit to the number of websites that they can go to if they're trying to decide on who to hire. Are they going to lean towards the person who has, you know, if two people have the same group of images, but one has a beautifully designed website with a nice logo and the other one has, you know, just a so-so presentation, like who are they going to think is the more professional, more with it, more together photographer. Mm. You have, and you continue to play the role of editor. So you're subject to that material that's being sent to you by photographers in the terms of promo cards and, and visiting websites when you're considering photographers for possible inclusion in, in some job. What are some of the things that you see that are immediate turnoffs to you that make you <laughs> almost immediately not even consider someone or makes you immediately click off the website when you, when you get there? I mean, the number one thing you'll hear from editors is music, <laughs> you know, music on a website. Like, I mean, I understand why people do it when they're consumer photographers, you know, but even then it's annoying. You know, people are looking at websites at work, you know, they don't want to, if you're all of a sudden, like there's a potential customer and they launch your website and like some annoying music starts, it's like, it's immediately like, I got to close it. I cannot handle that. And more and more, I'm searching for people on my phone, you know, like, I'm, you know, everybody's multitasking. I may be looking to book a photographer, but I happen to be at the grocery store, you know, and I need to look at their website really quickly. And if the mobile version of their website is not good or even worse, if there's nothing to see because their site is flash and they have no HTML mirror site, it, uh, obviously that's a big turnoff because just accessibility is a big issue now. I mean, we need to be able to see people's presentations on all platforms, all media type. And so still, I'm, I'm surprised to this day how many sites I go to on my phone or on my iPad. And it's like, you cannot view this site because you do not have Flash. Yeah, it's amazing to me. I, I look at my own analytics for my site and I'm and seeing an increasing number of people who are accessing the website via the blog and via the phone. And like you said, there are many photographers whose sites I can't access until I get on my computer. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much the, the case that you're finding with a lot of the photographers when they evaluate their analytics that a lot of people who are there, who are there targeting are looking at their sites, not on a computer, but on, on some other device? Yes, I do. I see a lot. I mean, I, I measure the Google Analytics for all, a lot of my clients, and I'm, I'm. It's definitely it's going up and up and up. And I mean, I mean, look at look at the iPad. You know, the new iPad screen. It's so beautiful. It's meant for seeing photography. I mean, it's that's what it. You, that's what you want to see on the iPad. 
and people are busy. People are, you know, on shoots, you know, you've got art buyers who are, you know, they may be on one shoot, but they're looking to figure out who to book for the next shoot. And if they can't see your stuff, I mean, I think that's just a serious problem that we cannot go much longer where people have flash only websites. I mean, those days are so numbered that people are going to have to realize that the clock is ticking. They've got to get an HTML mirror site at least, or just switch to a totally non-flash solution. Going back to editing, what do you think that you're able to do in terms of helping a photographer cull down their images? You mentioned earlier that you might look at about a thousand pictures, but a photographer may have hundreds of thousands of pictures on their, <laughs> on their drive. So how do you help people to make that sort of initial pass? How much of it is a discussion in terms of who they think they are as photographers or want to be as photographers? How, you know, what's, what's sort of the ideas that, that you can suggest to people to help them go through that and huge archive, archive of images they may have to make it a more manageable number from which to create an identity? Yeah, it, it is hard. For some people, it's very hard. Some people are working with tens of thousands of pictures, and they do have a really hard time narrowing it down. Whenever I start working with somebody, the very first thing we do before we start pulling images or anything is that we have an in-depth conversation about what kind of work do you want to be doing? Who do you want to be working for? And I think just having that conversation, just the process of sitting down and talking about who would you like to be working for kind of sheds light on things for the photographer that they may not have even thought about. I mean, it's, it's just the, just the process of talking about it gets their wheels spinning in a new way. And then they go to their archive and start pulling images and they have this discussion fresh in their mind about what their priorities should be, what their goals are. And I think that right there helps people a lot in narrowing things down. One thing I always tell people when they're having trouble pulling pictures is that I tell them to go with their gut to just tag the pictures that they like or that they've liked in the past or that they think that I may have some interest in and to not worry about it too much, to not agonize over the selections, just just get in there and just start tagging stuff. And then if that means that the first pass is 5,000 pictures, well then, you know, so be it. I mean, it's, it's a process. And sometimes the first pass is too big. I mean, obviously that's a lot of pictures to go through, but the point is more the exercise, you know, of just going through and just grabbing the things that you have felt strongly about in the past, or maybe that someone else has liked, you know, if you've had someone respond really well to a picture, I would say tag that picture and add it. If it's a picture that you think a client that you want to go after might respond to, then throw it in the folder. But really, for me, it's like I think photographers need to be encouraged to not worry about it too much. Yeah. Just go with your gut. Go with your gut. Grab things that you like. Grab things that you think others might like. And then with that, that gets the conversation going. Then we just move forward from there. Is there ever a case where there are just too many images on the site or too many galleries on the site? How do you think about not just what you put on there, but how many and how they're organized on the site. Yeah, I mean, I think that the clients, clients are so busy. They've got so many websites to review. You just don't want to ever give someone the opportunity to get bored. You know, like you want to make sure that there's not so much on the site that someone who's clicking through the first gallery after like, you know, 30 pictures, they're thinking like, oh, how many more pictures do I have to look at? And then they just end up bailing because they don't see an end in sight. So I like to keep galleries pretty short and sweet. I, I like to see like about 20 pictures. I mean, there's no magic number really. It depends on the imagery, but you know, a gallery of 20 or maybe 30 pictures is a good number to where 
after click, 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 clicking through, you know, you don't get like visual fatigue. Like you're like, okay, I made it through the end of this gallery and now I have the energy to go on to the next one. So I like to keep individual galleries to about 20 or 30. Number of galleries on a site. I mean, I've seen a few cases where people have a lot of galleries and it works, but generally speaking, I like to limit them. I mean, less is more in my mind. I think the work has to be really unique and really interesting and be packaged in a really interesting way to be able to support having a long list of galleries. Most people benefit from limiting their galleries to, I mean, again, I don't want to put a number on it, but you know, like five or maybe no more than 10, you know, because after that, it's like, who's going to stick around to look at all that? You know, one thing I always tell photographers I work with is to go to their Google analytics and to look at the time spent on site, because you can see that people are spending 30 seconds, 90 seconds, you know, maybe two minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. people don't sites for very long. So if you only have somebody on your site for at the most two minutes or three minutes, how much can they really see in those two minutes? Wow. Well, let's talk about promos because promos are the, are the devices. One of the devices photographers use to get people to their site. And there are a variety of different promos. There's like a simple postcard. There's a fold out. There are zines. There are books. Talk about what you want photographers to think about in terms of what they put in those promos and and what format they decide to put them in in order to get the attention of an editor or an, or an art buyer. I usually start when trying to figure out what kind of promo to make with somebody. We Unfortunately, budget is a big part of that. What, what can someone afford to spend? And then how many people are they trying to reach? So we look at how much you can spend and then we look at the number of people that are going to be on the mailing list and then we divide those and figure out, okay, well, this is how much each promo can cost. You know, at the end of the day, these things cost money and I don't want people to be throwing money away. So I try to find something that's going to make an impact, but not go over their budget. I like promos that show multiple pictures. Cause I do think it's nice to show an editor that you can approach a story and that you can get all these different aspects of a, of a story or a project so I love trifold cards for that reason. I love fold-out posters. A lot of people are doing newsprint promos now, like on newspaper, little mini newspapers. I think that's great because you can show a lot of pictures. Those are very expensive, though. You know, I mean, it does add up quickly. But the trifold postcard, the fold-out poster, those are pretty cost-effective, and you can get a lot of pictures on them. Or you can do one really big picture with a few supplementary pictures that are smaller. I love telling stories with promos. I don't generally like a random assortment of pictures put together. I like a theme to a promo, either like a, you know, for a travel photographer, I love to do one destination where we have a mix, where we have like a landscape and a beautiful hotel interior and a picture of people hanging out at the pool and, you know, a little detail, like a great, you know, close up photo of a detail, but all from one place. Cause I think that's a really nice way to show an editor that you can, do a project or a feature story for them. Also, I like to encourage people to use personal projects as the foundation for promos, because I think that those personal projects are less, visually, they're less typical. You know, editors receive so many promos in the mail, and so it's always nice to send them something that is a little bit more unique and says something about who you are, so they can kind of get a sense of your personality from the promo. 
you mentioned earlier asking the photographer, who do they really want to work for? How much does that inform in terms of the long-term planning of a promotional piece? Because there are two tacks. There's one where you target a, a small number of photographers and sort of choose a marketing plan where you're going to pursue and, and send out m- material repeatedly over the course of a, of a year. And then there's more of a sort of a blanket approach where you have a long list of uh, art buyers and photo editors that you're going to be sending out material to besides the obvious issues of, of cost. What do you think is often the sort of the better tack to take if, you know, money is not so much a consideration I mean, it. It always is. When do you decide which one is going to be a better approach? What I do a lot, I like to have a mass mailing list that's bigger and I only do email marketing to those people. And I consider that just sort of my baseline marketing that's that's keeping my name out there, sending regular promos, say, every six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. And that's my bigger list. And then I like to spend a lot of time building a very targeted sort of dream client list that is much smaller. You know, it may be 100 people, 250 people. You know, for some people it could be bigger. But the people that go onto that list are the people that you've actually researched what they do. You know that you're right for them. You want to be working with them. They're the ones who are going to get the print promos. They're the ones who are going to get the personal emails, you know, where it's not an email blast, but it's a just a quick personal email. You know, I just wanted to share some recent work that I've done with you and a link. So that's how I sort of divide it up. I just, I prioritize. So I have my big list that is, you know, it's not super targeted, but it, it definitely includes, you know, most of the people that you want to be reaching. Uh, and I just send emails to those. There was um, an art buyer or a photo editor, I forget which, but she, uh, she said if she receives something and she has to open the envelope, she's more than likely to put it in the recycle bin. Just because yeah. of the effort involved in opening up and just the fact that over time she knows that sometimes it's not even worth the energy of opening up the envelope. So it's true. It's true. I always have photographers send things in clear envelopes for that very reason. I like to protect the promo because they get beaten up in the mail. I mean, it's sad how promos arrive sometimes. You know, people put so much time and effort and money into them and then they arrive, you know, ripped or the corners are bent up or whatever. So I always ask people to put their promos in a clear or translucent envelope so that the person can get a sense of what's inside and then decide to open it. With the websites, the website is not going to be updated, you know, weekly. It's only going to be done periodically. But I think that if people are interested in your work, they're going to periodically go back and see, you know, what more work you have done. So how important is that for the photographer to do it? And with what kind of regularity should they be doing it? And if not the website, how important is a blog in terms of keeping people who are interested in their work up to date in terms of what they're doing? Well, I like to update, a, you know, if you have like a main portfolio website that's, uh, you know, just sort of your standard, you know, portfolio-based website, I like to update that quarterly, at least, you know, I think if you can do a big update quarterly, that's great. And that also gives you something to talk about. So if you need to send out a promo, then you've got that to talk about, you know, that you've done this complete refresh of your portfolios and there's all this new great work to see. And then I supplement that with the blog, you know, either a traditional blog or Tumblr or some people, I mean, some people are even just using Facebook as their blogging platform, you know, I mean, not even really maintaining a blog, but just posting stuff on Facebook. And if they have a, a, a wide enough net of followers on Facebook, that can be a great way to get the word out because everybody goes to Facebook at some point in their day. So it's a good publishing platform. It's a lot harder to get everybody to go to your website, you know, but I love how people are using Tumblr 
you know, where blogging doesn't have to seem like this overwhelming thing that you have to sit down and do. You can just literally just send a picture from your phone to Tumblr and that's it and you're done. Or using Instagram. Uh, I think it's really just as long as you're getting work out there, even if it's not like work work, you know, like work in quotes, but if it's, you know, outtakes, snapshots from a trip, behind the scenes photos, you know, things like that. I think those are really fun for, for clients to see and they're, they're easy things to post and it's, it's nice content for a blog or for, you know, for the Tumblr or something like that. Yeah. I, I was looking at uh, photographers work this past week and they have been really, haven't been really active in terms of promoting their site. But when we took a look at their analytics, which they hadn't really done, it was amazing how much traffic, international traffic they were getting just as a result of Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Talk about the importance of using social networks in, in terms of getting traffic to the site. Even if you're not a writer and want to become an active blogger, how, how important are things like Facebook, Google Plus, Tumblr, and other things like that in terms of creating an audience for your work? Most site referrals, when I look at photographers' analytics, most traffic is coming from Facebook. You know, I mean, some people, you know, I mean, if you look at like the referral traffic, it used to be that the referral was Google, you know, but now it's, it's Facebook. I mean, Facebook is the big refer because everybody's there and everybody's sharing content. And so it's a very easy way for people to get to your site. So everyone has a different idea of how much time they want to put into social media. I think the most important thing is to just to choose a platform, whether it be Google Plus or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Tumblr (laughs) or some combination of those that you're actually going to enjoy participating in and that you are going to continue to feed the stream with regularity. So I don't think people need to be on all these social networks. I think they just need to choose one or two or three that they really like and want to be active in and just stick with those. And it's so easy now to, to link all of your social networks so that you can have your tweets auto post to your Facebook page or you could have your Tumblr posts auto tweet, you know, so you don't necessarily need to be hands on with all of these. You could maybe just post Tumblr and then have that go to your Twitter and go to your Facebook. And that can be a nice way to create content without having to really do too much. But one thing I see people doing is that they just post their own stuff all the time, but they're not responding to other people's tweets. They're not liking other people's things on Facebook. And so it's just like a one-sided conversation. And that's not really interesting for anybody on the outside. Like there's not much value you get from following somebody on Twitter if all they're doing is just self-promotion. So I think it's important to talk about other things than just your work, you know, whether it be some other thing that you have a hobby in, a sports team, food, you know, whatever it is, to be a more well-rounded person online helps build an audience and a following. One of the things that I see you post on your blog with quite frequently are contests. Yeah. How important are those? Because I I see a lot of students who, they, they don't submit the contest for whatever reasons, but it seems to be that that's a good way of getting your work out there. So what are you recommending to your photographers in terms of not only, you know, how often they should submit the contest, but how do they sort of choose which contest to submit to? There are a lot of contests. The ones that I list on my site are the ones that I feel are most relevant to editorial and commercial photographers and seem to me to have the most prestigious contests, you know, the ones with the best judges, so when, when people, when I, when I'm advising people on which contest to enter, I usually ask them to go back and look at the last few years winners and look at the last few years jurors 
and see if those jurors and those other photographers are in line with where, with where they want to be. You know, you want to be looking for contests that get judged by people who you admire in the industry, people who are working at publications or at ad agencies that you want to be working at. Those are the ones that I think are worth the time and money because, you know, a lot of these, I mean, they're expensive, you know, it adds up and to enter all of them is just, you know, it gets crazy depending on the kind of work, you know, it, it just depends on the kind of work, you know, which ones are going to be the right ones for each photographer. But I think you can really, you can really tell if it's the right one for you. If you go back and look at who has won in the past and who has judged in the past. Yeah. I've been on the, the judging end of, mm -hmm. uh, of contests and I think it would surprise people the kind of work that gets submitted because I think a good 75 to 80% is stuff that immediately just gets disregarded because uh -huh. it's not, not great. And then, the rest of it is like stuff that's maybe 10, 50% is stuff that's, you know, really good that makes you stop. And then there's 5% or less where it's just outstanding work. Yeah. And I think that most people, some of the people who look at who, win, who wins often say, God, my work is better than that. But it's the people who actually submit who get the chance to. Exactly. You yeah. And if you don't, I mean, if you don't enter, then you, you know, it's a lot easier to look at the winners and be like, really? Like those people won? <laughs> if you didn't throw your hat into the ring, you know, you'll never know. So, but I, but I am really, I mean, there's so many contests and, you know, it just seems like everybody's coming up with a contest, you know, because unfortunately our industry is not where it was even just a few years ago. It's a lot harder for everyone to make money. A lot of people now are making money off photographers, you know, and I mean, myself included, it's my, most of my job is working directly with photographers. You know, I see so many organizations coming up with contests and they all have entry fees and then they have publication fees and, I think that people, photographers need to be really choosy about who they give their money to, you know, what are they really going to get out of it? What kind of, what kind of exposure are you going to get out of it? You know, what, what happens with the winners? Like, do they get, is there a book published? Does the book get sent to art buyers and art directors and photo editors? Is there, you know, like PDN, you know, always has like a big party and they invite all the creative community there. So you might get a chance to network with people. You have to look at like, what are the real benefits of winning? Because the, the expense adds up and some of these I don't feel are worth it. So what do you do when, when you have one, when you do get acknowledged in that? Because I knew a photographer that won one of these prestigious magazine awards and they got published in the, in the magazine, but they didn't do anything afterwards with it, which to me sounded like a lost opportunity. So let's say that you submit to one of these contests, you do win, you get this exposure. What next? You have to milk it. <laughs> you know, you have to promote it. You know, I would definitely, I would make sure that I have a beautiful tear sheet of the publication. You know, I love when people take photos of magazines, like on, you know, like laying out on a table, like take a beautiful photo of the spread that includes your image, post that to your blog. Obviously you want to tweet about it, post it to Facebook. I also think it's really nice touch when people take the time to thank, to personally email the jurors you know, you never know like what the, what the juror's role was in choosing your picture. They may not have been judging that category or whatever, but it's a, uh, it's a great chance to just send a short little personal note, you know, thank you for, for looking at my work and choosing it for what, you know, whatever contest, I really appreciate it. And with a link to your site, uh, it seems like a, a very simple, efficient, low cost way to start a dialogue with the people who were on the, on the uh, judging side. A couple of months ago, the publishers of PDN came out with a magazine that was geared for the woman photographer. And <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of, you know, stuff flying in the air as a result of the content that they felt like, for lack of a better word, maybe a little patronizing. 
in terms yeah. of the, in terms of the audience. And you made a, a blog entry in terms of what you would like to see in terms of content geared for that. And mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's an interesting point because so many of the photographers that are coming into the industry now are, are women. Over half of the new enrollment in a lot of photo schools are women. From your perspective, what do you think is sort of wanting in terms of a lot of the content, both in the magazines and online, that isn't tapping into that reality? I mean, you know, when I was in photo school, it definitely was a guy's, you know, it was a a guy's world, you know. And when you look at, you know, if you're watching the Olympics and you're looking at all these photographers that are photographing on the floor of the gymnastics competition, it's all guys. It's still all guys, you know. But I think what we're seeing, I think what PDN was trying to, what they're trying to tap as a market for advertising is you have all these photo enthusiasts who are getting more and more passionate about photography because it is much easier now to make good pictures, you know, at least technically. So you have a lot of people who are, you know, maybe they're deciding to switch careers and, you know, they, they might be moms who got great cameras and now they're thinking, you know, I could start a business um, photographing weddings and, you know, doing family portraits and things like that. And, it's just that the market has opened up so much. There's so much opportunity now. And I think women are starting to seize on that opportunity, but I don't really, as far as like what, you know, what is lacking in, in editorial content for women photographers. I, I don't think that you really need to, to have a separate magazine for women photographers. I mean, I just, I, I was, I was kind of surprised that they're even, that there even was this new magazine for women photographers, because I feel like the issues that are really important for a business person, for an entrepreneur who wants to go into this business, the things that are important and that make you successful are relevant to everyone. You know, I mean, I, those suggestions that I posted on my blog of other story ideas, I think that, you know, talking about how to balance a freelance career with also having a family is something that's really relevant and very challenging for women to get their head around because you can't schedule childcare really if you don't know when you're going to be working. It's very challenging. So, you know, I think, but I think that that should just be written about in PDN, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I think that, that everybody needs to know about that. I mean, I think freelancers who are guys who are dads also need to figure out how to balance the work life, you know, issue. And, you know, if you live, if you're in a family where the husband and the wife are both freelancers and you have kids, like that's just a, that's a childcare work-life balance nightmare. And how, how do those couples do it? How do they make it happen? And it was funny because when that, when they announced that they launched that Pix magazine and they were getting all that grief online, I, I noticed that coincidentally, the cover of PDN, one of the cover stories was about Ed Cashy and Julie, his wife, and how they manage the work-life balance with, uh, with their creative business. So, you know, they are talking about that in PDN. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm not really sure, like, what, the, what exactly the target audience is. I think one of the things about that magazine that people didn't realize, all the complaining was coming from the editorial and commercial world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that magazine is not really meant for the editorial and commercial world. I think that they're going after maybe a bit more of the consumer market or maybe even prosumer. There's another blog that you, you created called I Love Texas Photo. Tell us about that and why that became part of what you do. <laughs> That's a good question. The inspiration came because I went to New York for, I think it was Photo Plus Expo. I always do portfolio reviews at Photo Plus Expo and I love it. And I was hanging out, you know, in between reviews, talking to some art buyer friends. And 
over the course of the three days that I was there, two different art buyers said to me when they learned that I lived in Austin, oh, I never know of any good photographers to use when I have a project in Texas. And I was like, what? How could this, how could this <laughs> be? This is, I mean, Austin especially is just the most like, I mean, there's so many talented people here. So I thought that was surprising. And I just kind of, I don't know, it just sort of like lit this fire in me that I wanted to prove to all of the New York art buyers, you know, the t- I wanted to prove to the coasts that there's an amazing amount of talent in Texas and a lot of really beautiful work being created. So that, I don't know, that was, that was the, the genesis of it. And I just decided to, to do it. And I got together a, a group of like-minded individuals who happen to all be photographers. I'm the only non-photographer uh, on the, on the contributing side, but and now I have a bunch of photographers who are, who are blogging for the site, interviewing other photographers, interviewing art buyers. We're posting events that are happening all over Texas, photo events and contests and stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, I don't really know where it's going to go. I don't have like a, a business plan for it or anything. I just know that we're having fun doing it and um, we're just going to let it sort of organically grow and see what happens. What's, what's been the response to it so far? I mean, it's been great. We've gotten, I mean, the people love the site. They are, people really love the interviews. I've gotten a lot of great feedback that the interviews are full of really valuable information, especially for people who are starting out in this industry to learn about how photographers got their start. You know, did they have like a big break, so to say, or, or, you know, did they have a mentor who helped them kind of come up in this industry People, the people that we've interviewed, they, they like to talk about, and we like to ask them about what inspires them, you know, how do they measure success? How do they define success in their careers? And I think that that's been really just inspiring to read all these different people's definitions of success and, and where they get inspiration. Well, you, you referenced uh, going to New York and talking to a couple of editors and then them not being aware of what's happening off the island. And that's the nature of the editorial and and the commercial world is just so New York centric. So there's some people, particularly when they're starting their career, they feel like I have to move to New York. I have to go to New York to be able to, to make it. Yet the nature of the industry now is so international, especially with the internet and social networking. But there's still sort of a barrier in terms of creating awareness of your work in that town. So how do you sort of broach that, particularly since so many photographers are there out there that are getting savvy in terms of their branding and their social networking? There are a lot of people who are up on their game. So how do you get even further past that considering those, you know, those issues? Oh, it's, it's just, it's very challenging to be, uh, to be in New York. I mean, if you want to compete in the New York, pool of talented people, of course, it's going to be a lot harder than being in a smaller market city because there's just so much talent there. So that's the downside to being there. But then the upside is that you have, you have access, you know, you have more access to the creative decision makers. You know, there's more opportunities for networking with people. There's gallery openings happening all the time that there's, you know, there's stuff happening in the city that you can just sort of organically be a part of and that that definitely can help your career. But I think, like you said, you know, we're in such an international world now and with everything being online and being able to Skype with someone on the other side of the world, it doesn't matter so much where you are. And, and I've seen for some people that their businesses actually do better when they leave New York because they're not competing with so many people. So they can go to another city where they can be a bigger fish 
in the pond. And then they just have to maintain their relationships with New York people. So, you know, maybe you go back to New York a couple times a year, you know, and do the rounds and go to meetings and go to gallery openings and just, you know, you, you do, you make your FaceTime, you go a few times a year, but you don't have to live there as much anymore as, as I think you needed to, you know, uh, 10 years ago or so. How, how, how important is a printed portfolio? Is that still a consideration that photographers have to make when so many people are viewing stuff online or on an iPad? I love having print books to see. I do a lot of portfolio reviews and I talk to the other editors and, and you know, art buyers who are at those reviews. And it seems like people really like seeing printed books. They like, I mean, a well-printed book, you know, seeing a beautifully printed book is, um, it's a rarity these days because we spend all of our time just looking at websites. It, I love it. And I don't think you really need one because it's not like agencies are calling them in as much as they used to. But if you are going to get an in-person meeting with somebody, if you're going to do a portfolio review, if you're going to go to somebody's office, you know, say you're going to go to an ad agency and they're going to pull together, you know, 15 people to come and look at your work, you know, a book, a book is great. And I like to supplement that maybe with like an iPad presentation, especially if you're doing motion, you know, or whatever, it's great to have, it's nice to have both, you know, but the print portfolio serves a sort of different purpose. I think it, it's a way to, again, to reinforce your brand, you know, a beautifully crafted book with your logo and attention to detail shows something about your business that I think is different from how you show what you're about online. And then also the actual images in the book. You know, I like to put different images in a print portfolio than I would maybe put on a website. You know, of course, some of them will be duplicated, but you need to mix it up so that you're not just showing a physical version of your web gallery. You know, it's a, it's a different, it's its own thing. And it's something that's kind of special. Um, And I think people really still appreciate seeing those. What do you love most about the fact that your career revolves around what's the most exciting part of it for you? Seeing new work, just discovering new work. It never gets old. And we're in a time where there is just this, sometimes it feels a little overwhelming. There is so much work out there to see. And no matter how like plugged in you are to the photo world, you'll never know it all, you know, and you'll, there'll always be something new to discover. And, and just seeing how people, can take their creativity to new places is so exciting and that never gets old. And of course, seeing, seeing photographers actually get their work, you know, have seen that someone I worked with got their work up on a billboard, you know, or that they're, they got the cover of a magazine they always wanted to work with. I mean, that's hugely satisfying. Well, my last question I always ask my guests is I ask them to recommend or suggest uh, a photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? I am really loving the work of Allison Smith right now. She's a, she's a Dallas photographer. She does commercial work and editorial. She also has a great fine art presence. She has this great series of uh, medium format square photos that were taken in Maine, I think, with her family, just like summer photos of her relatives, cousins, you know, nieces, nephews, just hanging out. And they're like, they're nostalgic yet modern. They feel really real. I just want to like be in her world for a, for a weekend, you know, and her work is just really, it's just really beautiful. And she does a great, she does, she publishes her own zines and she sends, and they're very like lovingly 
made. Like they, they just, they are full of her personality, her personal touches on them. They're not overtly commercial. They're not like promos really. They're really just like almost journals and she sends them to people and she's got this growing list of people who want to get her zines and they kind of turn into little collector's items. And I just love what she's doing right now. Oh, I look forward to checking out her work. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you and everything that you do? Uh, I have, well, I have two websites. I have my main website, which is jasmindefore.com. And then the I Love Texas site is ilovetexasphoto.com. That's where most of the, uh, most of the goods are at. All right. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for appearing on the show. You provided some really great insight that I think a lot of people are going to find invaluable. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod. And this is Ibadian X, and this is... The Candid Frame.